everybody. Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. It's funny, um, pre, pre-thing, you were saying that you were overwhelmed. I've been feeling off lately. I've just been like, not in a bad mood, just like not feeling together. I'm not sleeping well. I'm just kind of like forgetful but then also like when I do remember stuff I'm just like ah like just like a very I'm uncomfortable but not for any specific reason okay um it might be hormonal I was gonna ask but I didn't want to be like period obvs (laughs) yeah well I mean I'm three days late which is also really rare so then that also makes me wonder if like there's no scarce there's nothing to be scared about but whenever I start to be late you're like oh what did I do to my body because like we've talked about on this podcast your hormones are a big uh um, predictor of your overall health and uh, when you get your period or when you ovulate like those things are all indicators of our health so when it's late I'm like ah what did I eat three weeks ago (laughs) that threw everything off like and I've been I've been breaking out more a lot of makeup but like I'm just more pimples and that's also like tells me my hormones are off, especially when it's in this general goatee area. Mm. So maybe I think I fucked up this month and now I'm paying the price and just feeling off. Hormones are such a fucking, like when that's the problem, it's such a pain in the ass. It's not like, Oh, get more sleep or go for a run. It's like hormones like will take forever to readjust. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. They're just like, you fucked up four months ago. And you're like, I can't fix it. Yeah. I am. You'll be proud of me. I'm on, this might also be an effect, but I doubt it, or at least for the general off feeling, uh, cause it's been for a bit, but, um, I'm trying to get, I'm trying, I'm my first step into being healthy is I cut out my sugary beverages. Okay. So I no longer start my day with like my, my tea, chai latte. Like my little, sometimes it's a chai latte that I make myself. Sometimes it's a, um, just like black tea with milk and sugar, okay. but I, we honestly, Honestly, it's sweet tea. Like it's sweet. You know what I mean? And it's creamy. It's like milk tea. It's like what you would get when you get bubble tea. It's, it's very, it's not oh, good for you. I've and, seen you. I've seen you make tea. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I used to, I don't, I think the pandemic did this to me. I used to have it like once a week. It was like, just a, like, if I need a little pick me up or if I was out and I wanted a bubble tea and somewhere it started to be every morning and then sometimes two cups in a row and it's just a lot of sugar. And I was like, that's a horrible way to wake up and just throw sugar in my body. So right now my rule is no sugary beverages at all. And then eventually I would like to have it like a couple of times a week, but I'm just trying to cleanse my body of that habit. Sugar's a, that's a tough one. I, it's easy to add into, it's like crazy how quickly, cause I used to drink uh, black tea with, with um, oat milk, no sugar. And then I just tried honey in it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you're like yeah that's better that's this is the better. best drink I've ever had and so like now it's like it's if it's so unsatisfying it literally took one time having it and then I was just like no I now I take honey in my tea yeah 
And so I'm, I'm just trying to um, find better habits in the morning. Cause the other thing is, is like, I don't think it would be that bad of a thing in the afternoon, but like wake up. First thing I do is put like a sugary, milky caffeine thing in me. Do, do you find that doing stuff like CrossFit or shit that actually kicks your ass um, a deterrent for eating sugar? Cause, or do you, I forget that your whole work ethic is workout, have the sugar. Like that's how you started getting into running. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, what's difficult for me is that working out more and I haven't really worked out in the last couple of weeks just because I was like really sick and I was traveling or whatever, but I was starting to kind of up my workout again with doing CrossFit again and, and running more. As soon as my working out goes up, my, um, my hunger goes up and my ability to stay satiated. So I start eating more and I start eating shitty snacks because if, if I was an adult adult, I would constantly have food in the fridge and I would be eating three square meals a day. But instead I'm a child and I'll be at the, and I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna have some chips or if I have two cookies. And so next thing I know I'm grazing and I would say like 70% of the grazing is garbage as opposed to when I am in a healthier place, when I was on the paleo diet, the grazing would be some berries or like, you know, like I am trying to get better. Like my snack yesterday was like, an apple I cut up and some peanut butter. That's like better than what I was doing a week ago, which is like cookies and you yeah. Know. I was like, am I going to come over and just open your fridge and there's going to be nothing but like four different kinds of Kit Kat? <laughs> I mean, that's not too off from what I have right now. So exactly. the other thing is, is when um, I'm not traveling, I eat better because I have more in the fridge. But when I am traveling, I don't want to buy, I don't want to buy a bunch of produce and then it dies in my fridge because I'm only in town for two days. So I am in this kind of bachelor. I have you know, ketchup and a cookies in the fridge right now. <laughs> ketchup and cookies. Yeah. You know, the balanced <laughs> meal of a growing lady. Um, I find, I find it really hard to not, re- I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I find when I work out really hard, I am hungrier, but I, I don't want sugar. Cause I feel like I, I don't want to undo everything I've done. I'm like, that was so difficult. And I just feel like I've been working out for kind of a long time for for having seen almost no results <laughs> yeah and I'm and uh, it just, it's so frustrating it's so frustrating like just to just I've been hovering at the same weight forever and I know I've lost a little bit of weight but it's just like for for like working with a personal trainer and doing hot yoga and sometimes I go swimming I know I don't do enough cardio but like nothing's moving and I'm just it's really it's yeah I mean, that's where it's frustrating because, you know, you could have a bunch of people that are like, who are you doing this? You got to do this. You got to do this. And you're like, bitch, you don't know my body. Like, I think I would, at this point, I feel like I can't take any advice from men because they just have a completely different metabolism and just, Hey, if you walk around the block and eat celery, it'll all work out. Must be nice, Brian. Like, it's just not, it's just not. Yeah. I talked to guys and they're like, I stopped drinking my morning soda and I just dropped like 80 pounds. You're like, I've never had a morning soda. Although after I talk about my tea, I'm sure it's not as any worse. I mean, it's as bad, but like, no, it's a hundred percent true. Like they make one change and they're just like, like I even, I've been working on a joke, but I haven't, I don't know what I'm doing with it yet. But I joke about how my parents were sending my brother, Greg, when he first went to college, these care packages and care packages for us is like candy from like fucking Costco and some socks, like whatever. So they were sending my, my brother a bunch of candy because we're all sugar addicts. And he started gaining weight and he couldn't fit into his t-shirts. So he calls my parents up and goes, hey, you got to stop sending me care packages. I don't fit into my shirts. 
Then he starts running every day. He runs every day for two weeks, loses the weight, calls my parents back up. And it was like, Hey, you can start sending me care packages again. I lost the weight. It's like, fuck you, fuck Greg. You. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. fuck you. You and your, you know, 20 year old male body. Like, fuck you. Like, even if I was 20, that still wouldn't be how that went down. Fuck yeah. you. Like that's, I mean, I'm still working off of Snickers. I had 14 years ago. I know. Like, oh God. So I think that's frustrating. And then it just only gets worse as you get older. And then like hormones have an effect and it's just all garbage where you're like, I am doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And it, there's nothing budging. Well, announcements. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uplifting. Um, okay. Thank you to all our Patreons, everybody that supports us. Oh, we are so grateful, uh, especially to some of our newer Patreons. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you don't know, uh, you can get weekly bonuses, you can get monthly bonuses, you can get stickers, you can uh, control our Googles, you could be a Google guest, you can see, uh, get some of our stand-up, get a signed book. There's so many fun, beautiful benefits that you get for supporting us. So you can go to patreon.com slash two non-doctors, four doctors. You can follow us on the socials, you can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook at two non-doctors, the number two, full word doctors, and Instagram at two non-DRS. Come see yeah. the pictures. <laughs> and if you have time and you're feeling generous, uh, if you leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, it helps us out a lot. It helps us get seen. We feel great. We share it on our socials. And uh, and thanks to everyone who's left really kind reviews so far that um, made our days. Yeah, some of them were super intricate. And I think we got one the other day that's like, I love you guys. And I'm like, I'll take an I love you guys. I didn't see that one. Send it. Yeah, I have to. There's sometimes I look at them, I'm just like, that was fun. And then I'd forget to do my job. I hate you. Which is okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, meanwhile, I'm crying. Like nobody yeah. loves no, us. Nobody <laughs> loves us. Um, personal announcements. I just added Seattle. So I'll be in Seattle at laughs on November 26th and 27th. And then we kind of joked about it in an episode, but now it's happening. Um, Marie is going to be back in New York in December. So we are now doing a live two non-doctors. Uh, we'll do stand up, and then we'll tape a, a live episode of two non-doctors. December 29th at 7.30 at Union Hall. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out, uh, ticket links will be on both our websites. Um, but save the date. Uh, come see a live. We'll have some special different stuff doing it live, but it's going to be our first live recording and you should come. Yeah, it'll be so exciting. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, me too. It just sort of just like manifested immediately. It was like- It was like you were just like, we should do a live one and I'm coming. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, do you want to do that? And you're like, yeah, I said it. <laughs> I said, said it. Just said that because yeah. I want to do it and I was like oh valid point let me work that let's figure that out uh do you have any touring announcements nah okay uh fan mail fan mail um <laughs> let's start off by saying that we did an episode on uh circumcision and wow you guys wow <laughs> some of you say circumcised those emails down a little bit <laughs> to me because oh, it was just, just like and look our listeners are actually very thoughtful great people but i'm just saying in general men on the internet are usually like <laughs> tits but then as soon as we started talking about circumcision it was suddenly we were getting dissertations from people like the Dude. longest with, with powerpoint presentations and just like really thought out points it was Quoting awesome. dates and like scientific data and there was like sources like it was <laughs> insane i was just like oh do you teach men's rights like what is this um it, it's been fascinating interesting I think it was so funny because I kept being like write to us respectfully with no pictures or descriptions and everybody has done that like everybody's been like 
either like brief, like, Hey, this is my experience or, Hey, this is where the debate is, or I agree here or blah, blah, blah. But both in emails and comments on YouTube, I've been actually blown away by how many people have given us really thoughtful and, um, responses on both sides. Um, so we wanted to read, um, a YouTube comment from Lewis. Uh, the defense of circumcision is ridiculous. Some of those things are literally untrue. It is an, in it is an industry. You want to avoid disease bathe. That is the problem. The rest of the rest is literally all negative. The problem is that it, it will never change because women ostracize uncut men in the U S period. End of story. Feel bad for us guys. You will never know how, how you were really born. A study finds that more than a hundred neonatal circumcision related deaths occur annually in the U S about 1.3% of male neonatal deaths from all causes. Think about it. Impossible decision for a parent. Um, don't do it period. When only U S says it's a problem, it's not a problem. Um, sorry, I read shitty. Um, like I said, we've had different things from all ends of it, but I, I mean, he makes a really good point in the sense that you can't say something is a problem when most of the world doesn't experience it. And yes, there could be cases, but it goes the same way with, in my mind, like COVID where they'll be like, well, some people have um, experiences with the COVID vaccine. You're like, yeah, nothing is ever perfect. That's just how it is. There's always going to be a risk, but like a small percentage of people having an issue when they're uncircumcised doesn't make it so that everybody should get circumcised. And it is very fascinating to me that it is mostly the U.S. that, and like I said, we converted Africa and made it like a thing that African men um, should be doing. But for the most part, it's a U.S.-based thing that has stayed pretty U.S. And the rest of the world is like, this is how we were born and this is what we do. And this is who we are. Yeah. I didn't know that people died or like, you know, little boys died from it. Maybe yeah, and they get infected. Like, how do they die? Yeah. I mean, I would think anything um, can, like there might be infection. Um, I mean, you're basically doing, well, it's a, it's like, um, like I had um, polyps removed from my uterus a couple of years ago. And it's like an in office thing. Like they, like you're, it's like a light anesthesia. They take your polyps and then you're up and then you go home. And I think it's the same kind of like, I don't even know if it's, they do topical or what they do, but like, it's, it's a very in-house procedure, but at the same time, it's still a surgery. Like it's still, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, back to one of the, I think it's a local anesthesia. Said, I think some, one of the, yeah. this is what I found interesting though. The problem is it will never change because women ostracize uncut men in the U S I'm a little bit like, calm down. Like I, I think anything that anybody's used to, but at the end of the day, I don't think anybody sees a dude that's uncut and it was like, no, thank you. We might say something like, you know what I mean? But like, th there's a difference between ostracizing and it just being unfamiliar. And there's always going to be shitty men and women on both sides when it comes to stuff. But like, I'll be honest, I've heard nothing but, and again, my experience with men in comedy is very different from a larger experience of men, but men in comedy are very vocal. They talk about sex a lot more. The amount of comments I hear about women's bodies, everything from weight to, you know, what their nether regions look like to what their face look like. And you're just like, you're just being picked apart on things you can't help. American comedians do that a lot. Cause I don't really hear about women's bodies from men here. And then I, and then I started thinking like, oh yeah, I'm just thinking back to some of the comedians at the cellar 
being like oh. women yeah and do you know do you know how horrible it is to be getting ready to do a set like literally in my head I just have to follow this guy and he's literally talking about like a one night stand and like how gross something was or like women and you're just like and you're like fuck I have to follow this like what I want to say is fuck you man yeah you like your body is an Adonis and who the like fuck off but instead I have to be like kittens like you know what I mean because it's just like because what I you what I want to do is be like eat a dick and what's funny is now, and that's just like when you're on a showcase show, but now when I headline, like I've told bookers, I was like, I'm fine with whoever opens in front of me, but I don't want them talking about sex or shitting on women for 20 minutes in front of me because it's just going to make me angry and I don't want to clean up and I want to do what I want to do. So yeah, be somewhat yeah. conscious of who's in front of me. I'd rather an unfunny, polite person than a funny piece of shit person because I'm just tired of having men rip apart women and then I have to go up and tell my math. And it happens a lot to me here, but like it's with being American. It's just like oh, that. interesting. We'll often rip apart Americans, and then it's like, "Are you ready for your next comedian?" And then you're like, "Oh no!" Oh yeah. Or <laughs> like the whole they do crowd it. is like, "Yeah, Americans are stupid," and I'm just like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> and you're like, um, "There are exceptions, right, guys? Yeah. Right, guys." But I, I mean, I'm not saying women haven't ostracized, but at the end of the day, I don't really know any women. They might be like, oh, this is unfamiliar, but I don't know any women that's going to throw a dude they like out of bed because they have their original packaging. Yeah. Uh, an early boyfriend wasn't circumcised and it was just like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> and then that's yeah. it. You get used to it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I dated a British guy for a little bit and I was like, oh, interesting. And I was like, literally, it was like, it was like getting a toy. that, oh, interesting moment. No guy wants to experience, huh? And just like, you're putting your glasses on like, I yeah. see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's just like, and yeah. And, but like, honestly, that's in my head. I don't think I was just like, oh, it's so fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I just think anything anything that people aren't used to might have a little bit of like oh we but as I'm not saying women aren't judgmental mental and I'm not saying there aren't some really judgmental women but I think we can say with a broader stroke men tend to be more uh visual and 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 um what they want what when they describe what they want in a woman is about looks and when it comes to women it's more about how they treat you and personality and, and be, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not saying women don't care about what, how men look, but like, I'm telling you an uncircumcised dick is not a deterrent. So it, it, to me, like, I liked what Lewis was saying and I appreciate it, but I also think that's a, it's a pretty big generalization for really your, what is a moment in a woman's mind going, this is new. Yeah. You know? Um, but, there are a lot of women out there going, ha ha, <laughs> just pointing at it. Um, and then don't fuck those women. You can fuck yeah. better women. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you, Louis. Uh, Googles. Yes. Okay. I'll start. Yeah. So a couple episodes ago, I brought up, um, that my arm was swollen because I was like bumping into stuff because I was just a, just in general moved to a different place and like, don't know my apartment well. And I'm all like ADD moving stuff around. But then also I was like, I felt more clumsy. And my sister had told me women are clumsier uh, before their period. And I wanted to, I wanted to do a follow-up Google. I'm like, is that true? So why, why are women more clumsy before their period? It says high levels of estrogen during the follicle 
phase, I don't know how to say that, which comes before ovulation is associated with increased mental clarity, cognitive function and coordination, and, and, co and cognitive function and coordination. So it is possible that the drop in estrogen and progesterone in the days leading up to your period may affect your coordination behavior and feeling more clumsy in some women. So they're basically saying, actually, you are at some point in your ovulation, uh, your peak agility, like you have this peak agility part of your cycle so that when that goes away, you actually just notice who you really are, which is a bumbling fool. <laughs> So yeah. it's really, it's, it's almost less that you become more clumsy and more that you were so put together for like two weeks that you're, you're just noticing that you're clumsier or it feels like you're clumsier when really. So, just... so, so baseline is clumsy. And then you just sort of somehow, man, it must be hard to be like a gymnast unless they've yeah. just gotten so skinny. The hormones are all fucked anyway, but like. That's, that's valid too. What yeah, if someone they... actually lose their periods. So. Yeah. What if they had an Olympic match when they were feeling at their clumsiest, you know, oh, God. Just, I mean, let down your whole country because yeah. you had your period. <laughs> Being a woman is terrible. <laughs> it sucks. But that I did not know that. Like I, I knew that little thing from what my sister said, but I, I find it really. So now I'm going to be like paying attention to my cycle and I'm going to be like peak agility phase and activate it. Yeah. Around like a cat. <laughs> what you Google? I Googled. Well, at first I Googled, is it inevitable that you gain weight as you age? Cause, but then we talked a little bit about that at the beginning. So I sort of changed course, but the thing is, is, um, it's not inevitable. It's just that you lose muscle mass as you age. And that was what like decreases your metabolism, but like with a mix of, uh, strength and cardio exercise, you can maintain, but like, I'm having a hard time losing weight at this age. I either need to figure out like a running schedule or just accept I'll probably get bigger as I get older? So a few things. Notoriously, they say when you go through menopause, like if, if weight for women has always been difficult, uh, losing weight or even just sometimes maintaining weight is difficult as a woman just because of our hormones. But once you go through menopause, it's, everything has been like, this is who you are. Like it's like locked in, like this is what it is. But to counteract that, both my friend Carol, who's in her mid-50s, and my mom, who's in her mid-60s, uh, mid have actually lost more weight post-menopause because um, they just kind of excessively changed course. My mom got into powerlifting, um, and um, you know she came on and talked about um, fasting, intermittent fasting. Um, my friend Carol just really changed her diet and got a little more into exercise and stuff. So I... I mean, I, I'm not saying it isn't harder, but I think in general as women, it's just kind of always hard that who's to say, I think what's, what's frustrating is that men can just like, you know, like we joked about take soda out of their diet or go for a run and it just fixes it. While I feel like each individual woman has to find the, like the same way that like, like you need like a drug cocktail to fix a problem. Sometimes I feel like you need this like diet, cardio, exercise cocktail that's individual to your body type and when you find it it just all works out yeah but, but it's like I if I find something that helps me maintain my weight or lose my weight it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to help you at all and I think that's why this whole industry this whole like dieting industry and health industry is so lucrative because what works for one person 
is nothing for another person. And then like this person's like, this is what you gotta, you gotta do keto while doing headstands at night. And you're like- My mom's in her seventies and she dropped a bunch of weight just by like eating less, which was crazy to me. And there was a point when I was on birth control and I was at my most I've ever weighed, she actually weighed less than me. And that fucked me up. I was like, that's not on. (laughs) That's, That's not what the studies say. Yeah. Well, I'll just make that my Google then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, You did great. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing it. Um, let's get personal. Yes. Who do you go out of your way to be nice to? Uh, go ahead. Probably all service workers, uh, grocery store, bank tellers, um, waitresses and waiters, um, like ticket train people, yeah. you know, anybody that's doing a job that makes them feel invisible um is a quick interaction sucks in general i i get it from my dad a little bit like my dad always is super personable so i've always been personal i love giving compliments i love kind of making someone's day even if it's like i notice a woman like a cashier's nails and i go oh my god i love your nails i i know some somebody that you know has paid we know how much it is to get like bufanti beautiful nail it's like a hundred bucks at the bottom so I'll see these beautiful nails and I'll be like, oh my God, I love your nails. And all of a sudden a woman that was making no eye contact scanning is like, thank you so much. Yeah. Or I'll make a joke or something. I like that laugh from somebody that's at their job and hates it and doesn't want to be there. It's so much higher currency than an audience that paid money knows who drunk. I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're drunk. This They know it's a like that, like. I made the woman at Whole Foods. I bought like my, my keto bread. It's like the only bread I can have. And they didn't have it at Whole Foods. And I thought they'll, they'll never have it. And then they had it. And I bought like 90 loaves. It has to be frozen anyway. So I would literally have three loaves of this thing. That's the only thing I'm buying at Whole Foods. I don't even remember the joke I made with her, but she laughed so hard. And I was just like, yes. And like, she was flat. Like she wasn't miserable, but she was like flat. And then I made this joke. I, again, can't remember what it was. And she just died. And it was like, I walked home like, maybe it's like a little selfish but I do even just giving compliments I love your earrings oh you know your hair looks beautiful today like my dad does that and I like kind of being a nice person in that sense but then the joke thing definitely like just you know give somebody a smile (laughs) that just reminds me of how like Johnny was telling me about how another comedian here was trying to tell him like I try to pay somebody a compliment a day watch and then he went up to a girl I like your yellow sweater and she was like, <laughs> like she, <laughs> she like recoiled from him so he's like I'm sorry <laughs> lightly harassing women on the street great job dude yeah um no, there's, I, there's, there's a moment although I have legit been on a train seen like a woman wearing a dress that I'm obsessed with they have their headphones and I'll make eye contact and I'll just be I'll just point to their dress and be like heart and you just see them be like thank you so much you like when I told a girl she had great posture like oh, on the yes. on the DLR and she was like yes thank you like she was so they couldn't believe I'd noticed she'd been waiting for that compliment for years yeah. for years <laughs> she she was like finally and then she just slouched and rolled yeah yeah, yeah. I can relax <laughs> yeah I remember that it was amazing um, but is, is there like a specific type of person? Or yeah, I, I would be nice to, I'll go out of my way to be nice to, to small business, to, to small restaurant owners, just because like, I don't know why I have a soft spot in my heart for, for them. I just, um, I hate to see people pour their heart and soul into something and then it fail. And I don't know if it's because like, I come from a family who shows their love by making food 
or whatever. Johnny and I ordered from an Indian restaurant and like the lady delivered it herself. Uh, granted, it took two hours longer than it was supposed to. Yeah. But she finally got there and she delivered it herself. And you could tell she was just running everything herself. It was during lockdown. And like, you yeah. know, they were adjusting to having to start delivering. And I don't know, but like, it, uh, A, I thought the food was fantastic. It was fresh. I loved it. Um, and I just like did not care that it took two hours because by the time she got to the door and she was just like, I'm so sorry, but she was so cute. And like, I don't know, it's just like, I want to buy everything on the menu all like all the time. I just wanted to support her. And I just didn't care that it was two hours late. Yeah. Like, I hate to see people review small restaurants poorly or I don't know. I don't know. No, it's so callous. It's like, it, I mean, the same way that like, we now review, think of like an Uber driver is almost a, a small business or like I buy stuff off Etsy, which is absolutely a small business. Like to me, like I remember the first time a small business asked me to um, review them as these women that would uh, thread my eyebrows. And this was like, I don't know, 12 years ago. And they're like, oh, you, you know, you come every couple of weeks. Would you give us a review on Yelp? And I go, absolutely. And as I was writing it, I was like, oh, this helps them the same way we ask people to like review our podcast. I was like, this helps them. It takes me all of two minutes. I'm going to be better about this. And so most people review when they're angry and unsatisfied. Right. So I was like, I don't like everybody has, everybody messes up once. I don't really care unless they do something ridiculous, but I have so many good experiences that I need to do something about other than just word of mouth, go eat at this restaurant, go get your eyebrows done here that yeah. I want to try to do that. But I, I, I can, I can absolutely see how small business owners is just like, it could just be my mom making something. And yeah, but it's just in particular small restaurant owners. I don't, I don't know why like small business owners. Yes. I, I want to yeah. help and support, but small restaurant, no, no, no. it breaks my heart if anything goes wrong. With, like, oh yeah. And then I don't know if you like a lady in, in this like part of town that has a lot of Turkish restaurants and she, we went in for, for some um, pastries and this girl comes in and she's like looking at the little mini pizzas they have and they have like spinach and feta and stuff on them. She was like, do your pizzas, like, do any of these have pizza cheese on it? And she's like, pizza cheese? Like, she was just like the happiest, sweetest woman. She's like, pizza cheese? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Like, do y'all have normal, like she didn't say y'all, but she's like, do you have normal cheese? And she just couldn't understand what this lady was asking her for. And Johnny and I were like, both like normal cheese, <laughs> you know, like if you, if we go to Kroger, do you have Kroger and uh, it's more like the South, but anyway, if you go to Kroger and it's just like, here's normal cheese, according to one woman in London. <laughs> also, I know, I know the exact British accent that that woman has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's this poor lady's trying to like deal with her request, but and, like, and she was so sweet and like everyone yeah. who came in, she knew their name and like, she had a big smile on her face. So it was just like this woman coming in being like, you have normal cheese, like as if like yeah, being like, yeah, yelled at. Yeah, something that's like it's a Turkish restaurant. I hated it. I hated it. I wanted to like just push her out the door. Like you can't be here. Um, an addendum to this question: Is there anybody that you're just not nice to, no matter what? <laughs> and I don't think so. Do you have? I I'll say this: It's more who I lose my cool with. Anybody for health insurance companies? Like okay, it's always like they're always like so. Like I went to go get the flu shot. And uh, just went to CVS, made an appointment and they go, hey, your health insurance is uh, not gonna pay for it. They say you're out of network. I was like, I, I, live, I live here, like what? So I'm like, what the fuck? So I call them up and I go, hey, they, they said that 
I'm at, this is at a network, which, you know, Dwayne Reed, CVS, Walgreens is a network. And she goes, and she goes, well, you really, you should go to your primary doctor. I go, well, you know, it costs a lot of money to go to my primary doctor. And I just want a fucking flu shot. I didn't say it that way yet, yet. Yeah. Um, and so she starts listing and she lists the CVS I went to. And I go, <laughs> I went there. So what's the problem? And she goes, well, maybe they changed something and da, 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 da. I go, well, can you find out? And she goes, well, and I'm just like, I'm sorry to shoot the message. And this is where I start. I'm like, I'm not trying to shoot the messenger, but do you understand? I pay upteenth amount of money every month that I'm not using. I just want to get a flu shot like across the street. And you're telling me it is a network, but they said it's out of network and I don't want to do this again. And if I do it again, I will find this office. And I will, like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah. but I'm literally like, I, it's my phrase when I start to lose my cool. I was like, I'm not trying to shoot the messenger. I know you didn't make these rules, but is there anything you can do to actually be helpful? Because yeah. you're not being helpful. Yeah. And then they're just like, well, if you go to the website and you look here, you could find doctors that are in now. Thank you, Carol. You're not helpful. And then I hang up. <laughs> And it's like every time, every time I'm like, I'm going to be a nice person. This is not their rules. It's fine. And then it's always like, you guys are the worst, the worst. I give money. It's a scam. You're a scam. And then I'm like hanging up. Yeah. I think when it's customer service people and they're obviously trying to still maintain the book response and you're like, you're not listening. You're just, you're just like listening for keywords and then looking for, I don't know if they have a database. Customer says this, you can say this. I mean, you just obviously, you feel unheard and they're just oh, yeah. the bare minimum. And, but it affects you a lot. Like, yeah. You're like, I give you so much money, so much money. And I want to get my free flu shot. And you're telling me that I can, but then you're telling me when I get there, I can't. And then I try to make it better. I'm just like, and it just makes me insane. And I just want to be like, you work for con artists. And I hope you know that. Like I have legit, like I, not this phone call, but I got so mad like a year ago. And I was just like, what you do is a scam and you work for scam artists. I was so mad. So I won't curse. Like I really have learned not to curse because I think that's, it's not fair to them. They can't curse back and they have hung up on me when I have cursed. So my rule the last couple of years is I will not curse at them, but I will be a crazy bitch. They can't wait till you curse. It's like, oh, bye-bye. Because they can't yeah. just technically yeah. they can do it. Yeah. And they have every right to, because it's not nice, but that is probably the only, and I'm pretty good with customer service. Um, and I get, again, a hundred percent get that these aren't their rules and they're just trying to make money. Health insurance. I never can keep my cool. Ever. Virgin media here, just, just to talk customer service real quick. And then we can move on. Um, when I was signing up for Virgin media, easy as hell to get through to anyone. I had a particular person who was, who was assigned to me Yeah, yeah. after I needed something from them impossible. And I swear to God, if I did get someone on the phone, they would put me on hold to put me through to, and I knew, I knew not to get put on hold. I was like, do not put me on hold. No, I can't put you on hold. <laughs> And then I would get hung up on, inevitably it would disconnect. And I'm just like, you fucking pieces of shit. You know how they say they record, you know, we record for quality assurance. Mm. I really wish they recorded the drop. Cause it's always like, I had a problem with like something I got from Home Depot and same thing happened. Like they transferred me and it dropped and it happened three times in a row. So the third time I was like, I will murder your family. I'm like, I'm like, just like insane. Like, I would love to hear when people are placed on hold, like the yelling that happens, like a yeah, compilation yeah, yeah. album of all of that. I would love that. <laughs> um, okay. Are you, are you ready for topic? Yeah, let's do it. Topic. Okay. Our topic this, this week is manipulation. Um, clearly psychological manipulate like the psychological social manipulation i mean i'm sure there's other forms of manipulation but that's what i did all my research on yeah um so um this is just kind of like a basic definition that i found but it's like um 
psychological manipulation. It's a type of social influence that aims to change the behavior or perception of others through indirect, deceptive, or underhanded tactics um, by advancing the interests of the manipulator, often at another person's expense. Um, such methods as like um, can be considered like exploitative. Oh, exploitive. Exploitive. Thank you. That one could not come out. Exploitive or devious. Um, I found the 14 signs of psychological and emotional manipulation and it really bummed me out. Oh, um, okay. Let's hear them. I mean, we, I think we should kind of talk about it a little bit more and then we can go into it, but like, okay. it is a real bummer. Because you found that out about yourself or that um, love and are close to? Yeah. The second one, okay. like I definitely have dated, uh, people in this category. Um, you know, I don't think my dad is a bad person, but my dad can be manipulative. I, this is the thing that I've always had problems with is there's, there's manipulative people that do it for their gain and their gain is money or, or, um, to be superior, uh, to, uh, trick people, whatever it is. There's like, there's real devious manipulation, but most of the manipulation I have dealt with, not all of it, some of it, at least in a, a relationship like way has been for love. I'm, I'm manipulating you so that I can get the love that I need because I don't know how to ask for it or, or, or attain it or maintain it in a healthy way because I wasn't raised that way. And it's unfortunate because you'll see somebody do something and you go, I know they don't mean to do that. And I know they have a good heart, but what they're doing is detrimental and makes me hate them. Um, and every time I've tried to point it out to my dad, he's just like, I don't do that. And you're just like, sure, <laughs> right. sure. And it's just like, I can't be mad at him. And I've learned to just accept it because I know until he gets therapy, if that ever happens, nothing is going to change. But when I see it in relationships, I mean, I throw the person emotionally away because it's just like, no, I've already dealt and accepted this in one area of my life. The fuck I'm doing this somewhere else. And I think reading this, I really saw a lot of what my ex did and, and really coming to grips with it and understanding that I knew he was doing it when it was happening. And every time I tried to talk to him about it, it was like, I was like talking to a wall. And then it wasn't until we broke up. I had that space. I've now spent a, we spent a year apart that I'm like, oh my God, I was right. And he wouldn't, he couldn't even let me, like, I knew I was right. I knew this was wrong. I knew this was shitty. So I think there's a couple of things in here that I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to date this person again. Yeah. I've dealt with manipulation I, I, recently with like living situations, you know, and you, you yeah. just, you're just like with the way the arguments are presented on their side and it's just, um, they make themselves the victim. And, uh, like, like in particular, when I had, I had done nothing, <laughs> start, start, start with that, uh, the outside, the garden, like she'd cleaned it, which I, no one asked her to, she did, that's great, you know? And then all I did was leave like some sort of pole out against the wall because I was trying to clean my window and I was letting it dry. And she sent me a long text about how I didn't respect the fact that she had cleaned it and that she feels heartbroken that she had done that. And like, and then I just left the stuff around and didn't care. And like, I was just, it was so infuriating. <laughs> it was so infuriating, but like that sort of manipulation, like this guilt trip. Yeah, and it's and it's one thing if it happens once you're just like oh this is a miscommunication but when it's a constant like victimhood or a constant you're just like oh this person absolutely is manipulating me has and this is what's frustrating is some people absolutely know what they're doing 
a hundred percent. And those people are very easy to just run in the opposite direction of, but the ones that don't, the ones where you have to be like, Hey, no one's trying to hurt you. I did nothing to you. It is impossible to communicate with you. And it makes, and all you want is friendship. And I just want to push you away. And I cannot, um, this can't be fixed until you start to see that that's where it's like, I don't want to do like, I don't think you're a bad person, but your behavior is, um, so manipulative that I, I just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of scenario. Yes. Like just, I'm not going to even try to talk to you because there's no starting point. Yes. Yeah. So I oh. just going to say, because they won't see it that way. They won't see it as I'm being manipulative. They're just saying, but I'm the victim here. So why yeah. am I also being yelled at? Yes, of course. And so there's no starting point. There's nowhere to go because they can't even see where they're a part of it. So like the way I think of like psychological and emotional manipulation, there's the people that do know what they're doing and absolutely are using it to their advantage for whatever they want. You know what I mean? And then there's people that like, just don't know, like, you know what I mean? They, they were raised by somebody that was manipulative and think this is how you treat people, or they were, um, raised without certain, um, factors or love and care. And this is how they've learned to gain, um, a a connection to people and haven't figured out why it's not okay to treat people that way. So number one is home court advantage, home court advantage. Um, when you insist on meeting or interacting in a physical space where he or she can exercise more dominance and control. So that'd be like, if, um, you, you want something and I'd be like, come into my office and then that Mm. is easier. Or like you're, you kind of trap somebody in a car. My dad used to do that shit all the time. Whenever he wanted to kind of talk to us and reprimand us, he would he would trick us. He would legit go, Hey, I'm going to go get um, bagels and donuts. Do you want to come? And I'm like, what? I'm like carbs. So I jumped in the car and I'm dude, like, like a dog that never learns their lesson. It would always be five minutes into the drive. He's like, I want to talk to you um, about taking care of your brothers more. I've noticed that. And you're just like, that's heartbreaking. You said donuts, but it's to the point where like, like, I mean, to the point, I'm not even joking. We're like, like I was a teenager. My dad's like, you want to get donuts? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want donuts. Like, yes. like it, it was like, it was, it was always, and my dad would always trap us in the car to give us a talking to, and you couldn't yeah. get away. There was nothing you could do. Jesus. This is, yeah. this is before headphones. This is, you know what I mean? I'm like 14 in a car now being told that I did something shitty. And I'm just like, it's not fair, but it was absolutely a tactic. And again, it was, my dad was parenting and he thought he was doing the right thing, but it was a, like every single sibling was like, don't go in that car. Okay, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, as you're like getting in the car, you're just like, what did I do wrong? Like, you're already trying to be like, what, it, what am I going to be yelled at about? Like, what oh, is it? God. Yeah. Awful. Ugh. Um, number two, lets you speak first to establish your baseline and look for weaknesses. Mm. that one is like scary. We're like two very talkative people, two people that overshare, you know, share a lot, maybe not overshare, but like share, we, you know, share on stage, we share on our podcast, but like people that use your words against you. I remember, so being in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or whatever is about vulnerability. And it's taken me a really long time to trust people and, and, and be more open. And I remember I dated a guy I think this is like eight years ago. And I was being more vulnerable. I'd been in therapy for six years. I was starting to be more open. I felt really good and was always very kind when I was vulnerable about something. Hey, this kind of makes me uncomfortable. Da, da, da. And we had this big blowout fight, um, like a year into dating. And 
he took everything I shared and used it as an example of why I was the problem. Yeah, that's awful. And I remember like my whole body being like, oh my God, oh my God. That's not what you're supposed to do with that information. Yeah. And I was just, I was horrified in a way that I was like, I, it took me a couple of weeks, but I was like, I, my first initial was like, fuck this guy and fuck off. But when he started trying to talk to me again, I was like, I'm never going to trust you again. Why yeah. would I ever trust you? I told you the things I told nobody else. And you used it as a way to show me that I had faults and I wasn't somebody that could be um, loved and cared for. Like, it was like the biggest way to uh, abandon someone's trust. And I was like, horror. And again, I don't think he was doing that on purpose, but dude, that's, that's what a relationship is being able to trust you with like my most precious, scary thoughts. That's some lawyer shit. That's what yes. they do. Yeah. <laughs> Answer these questions. I'm looking for everything here. Yeah. Or, or like somebody taught me that like, you know, you know, when you go to a dealership, you go to buy a car and they're like super nice Yeah. and they'll, they'll, they'll try, they'll ask you things that seem innocuous. So they'll be like, Oh, you got any kids? Yeah. I got two kids. Oh, what do they do? Oh, well, one's going to college. Oh, that's so exciting. Where are they going to college? You know, they got into Harvard. It's really like, we're really proud of them. Oh, that's a really expensive school. Yeah. We've been putting aside for a couple of years and they're trying to figure out how much money you have by what you do, how you spend your money. If you just bought a new hat, whatever it is so that they can quote you a, a, a price yeah. that will make them more money. It was like so the episode think- of the Cosby show where he like deliberately dressed down to go buy a car because he was a doctor, but he. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Number three, manipulation of facts, i.e., you know, lying, excuse making, being two faced, blaming the victim for um, uh, causing their own victim and victimization, uh, uh, deformation of the truth. I think that's the right way. Deformation. Is it deformation? I think so. Okay. Yeah, defamation of the truth, uh, strategic dis- uh, disclosure or withholding of key information, exaggeration, under um, understatements, one-sided bias of the issue. So you're basically skewing facts so that you can get what you want. Yeah, you have to get good at picking that apart. Or like, I got into an argument with recently with somebody where like the core thing of what what was going on was that they were hurt and that yeah. they should be talking to somebody about to the person who hurt them about it. But they kept like skirting the issue and finding reasons why it wasn't possible or reasons why like it's not up to them to do it or whatever. And I was like, "Mm, like (laughs) I uh, like they were like, if I do this, then this happens. And I go, stop right there. That logic. Why is that? It's not if then that. So I had to pick that apart, but I have to get really good at just not accepting things that people say as truth. So it's like, okay, that logic doesn't work. And you're just yeah. saying that that's going to be the case. That's not the case. <laughs> yeah. And nothing's happened. You're filling in the blanks. Like that's, I mean, okay. So uh, number four, overwhelm you with facts and t- statistics. It's called like intellectual bullying. So if, um, if I was like, um, we can use COVID. Um, I'm not going to get the COVID vaccine because um, there's uh, studies uh, that say that blah, 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 blah. And in this thing, da, 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 and this doctor from da, 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 and da, da, da. Well, there's other states. Uh, and then I just literally take every single thing and I don't let you talk. Cause I'm basically, and it's like, yes, you should have your, your uh, statistics and your work or whatever. But when you, I'm, I might be saying the shitty, but you're basically making it. So the person doesn't even have a, a um, 
anywhere to kind of stand because you've um, set it up where there's no, there's no way to have a back and forth argument. These are all the statistics. This is all the research I've done. You don't know what you're talking about because I've done X, Y, and Z. And then when you do try to be like, well, you know, the research and they're like, no. And that might not be the best example because this whole thing has been like, well, I'm going to do my a own. Great research. example. I, I, saw, I saw that happen on Twitter between a friend who was um, like not anti-vax and somebody and a comedian I know who is anti-vax. And he just kept bombarding with facts that he thinks supports his uh, side of things. And it was just like, she just had to keep battling it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like suddenly you're on the defense and you're not, you're not on the offense. You're not like controlling the conversation. You're yeah. just to like negate why that that's not true or why that yeah yeah and there's no real discourse you're just going well that did it you know what i mean and you're and and that's why some of those debates just go into like a full um spiral of of just barely even staying on topic sometimes but yeah it's like intellectual bullying which i feel like i've definitely had happen to me um okay number five is overwhelm you with procedure and red tape this one like just made me sad. So certain people use bureaucracy, paperwork, procedures, laws, bylaws, committees, and other roadblocks to maintain their position and power while making your life more difficult. Hi, America. Like what a great way of showing that all of America and how we bullshit people is, is what we, you know what I mean? Like, like, I think of like the abortion laws where it's like, uh, uh, what was it? The um, uh, Abbott was in Texas was basically, well, you know, we're going to eliminate rape and then that won't be a problem for women. Oh, okay. So what are you doing to eliminate rape when you haven't tested any rape kits for, you know what I mean? Like there's all these yeah. untested rape kits. There's no, it, besides the fact that that has nothing to do with women's rights and abortions, you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's already so much red tape and so much bullshit in women's rights in general. And then you're going to add this whole like, well, the exception for rape shouldn't be a problem because there won't be any rape anymore. Yeah. 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 But like everything with, with um, uh, the police system, everything with laws right now, it's all just like procedural. It's, it's my constitutional right to own a gun. Yeah, maybe, but not without people checking that you're sane. Not, you know what I mean? Without, like, you have to take a road test to get a car. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's, you have to wear a safety belt when you're in your car. There's all these certain rules to keep everybody safe. It's not this all-encompassing because you saw in the car. So it's like, there's a lot of this, like, people using um, any form of committees, roadblocks, laws to just- um, how, many, how many of these are there? 14. Okay. We got to go faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, raising their voice, uh, raising their voice and displaying negative emotions. So aggressive manipulation. Then you have seven, which is negative surprises. Wait, wait, wait. Aggressive manipulation. I knew a comedian who did that all the time. It's just like, and I just remember going, you can't just say something louder and have it be true just because you're louder. Yes. That's a male thing to do. Yes. And I think that is even comes later where you're just raising your voice. Oh yeah, no, that is what it is. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just raising your voice. I, that, that's the one I think everybody knows about where you're just like, you can't just scream at me and think you're right. Like, yeah. of course I'm going to shut down. I don't want to be screamed at. Yeah. Um, negative surprises, using negative surprises to put your, um, to put you off balance and gain psychological advantage. The example they give, cause at first I didn't understand this. The example they gave is like, let's say you're going into a negotiation for your salary and let's just say you're, you're, you're like 60,000 is pretty what it's supposed to be. And they come in, they're like 35, 
that's my offer. And you're like, 35? What is 35? And like all of a sudden, everything you had to just negotiate for 60 is gone because this person just treated you like you're like you're worth nothing. Yeah. Um, so um, number eight is giving you little or no time to decide. I think that one's self-explanatory. Oh, now this one, I think um, I was watching the Nina Simone documentary and she had said like when she had met her husband, she was just kind of caught up in a whirlwind of him and like almost a little bit scared of him. And just suddenly she was like, we were in this relationship and I was like, Ooh, that's a bad sign. And it ended yes. up being a bad sign. Cause he beat her, but it's just like when you, you just feel bamboozled or something, you're just like, what's go-? like, like this person yeah. has taken full control of whatever's happening between us. And I feel like I have no agency in this at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number nine is negative humor designed to poke fun at your weaknesses and disempower you. That one's the one that made me sad because I remember with my ex, it was when like things weren't good anymore. And he would just like make these jokes and I'd be like, Hey, I don't find that funny. It actually really hurts my feelings. And he goes, Oh, I'm just joking. I'm like, I'm in the jokes business. You can't say you're joking when I, that's what I do for a living. It's not funny. You're hurting my feelings. If I said you hurt my feelings, don't do it anymore. And the amount of times I had to say that, and it was always his excuse. And I was like, every time I tried to find different ways to express what he's, but I, honestly, I mean, it's what broke us because I was just like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm like, there's no reason to be shitty to me. I'm never shitty to you. And if there's something, and I kept being like, I feel like you're upset with me about something and you're not talking to me about it, which clearly that's what it was. I mean, that's what we ended up talking about when we broke up. And I'm like, too late, motherfucker. For two years, I was like, stop being an asshole. And he was like, yeah. no, I think there's something deeper. And he's like, no, I, this is who I am. Really? Because for two years, you weren't a piece of shit. So yeah. <laughs> what are we like, what changed other than you're yeah. clearly mad at me? Yeah. And even like when I'm just in a living situation, I had a flatmate that like we got, we like, he got mad that somebody put a fork where the knives go. He's so particular about everything. And then we got a message on our WhatsApp group going, who did this? Bad flatmates, bad. And I was like, don't fucking treat me like a fucking dog. Yeah. Like, I'm just joking. Like, I thought you were a comedian. You could handle that. And it's just like, no. Over a fork. You just literally dismissed me as a complete human because a fork wasn't in the right place. Like, but yeah, so it's like you make critical remarks often disguised as humor or sarcasm to make them seem inferior or less secure. Then um, number 10 is constantly judge or criticize you to make you feel inadequate that's a little different from the previous one because it's there's no humor it's just flat out being like um oh you're wearing that hmm. yeah I mean that's your choice like this kind of like just being shitty to be shitty 11 is silent treatment which I think we've talked about a little bit more that one's, that one's rough that's a that's a mean one to do to someone Yeah. And it's weirdly commonplace. And apparently like, uh, you know, a lot of people do it, but silence as a form of leverage and it intends to place doubt and uncertainty. So, you know, you get in a fight and if you just kind of wall them and say, you know, I'm not talking to you there, clearly there's no way to resolve it. And then if you really care about this person, of course, you're going to be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like just whatever we have to do to fix this. And it gives them that it's, it's super manipulative. Uh, 12, uh, pretend ignorance. So just like playing dumb. So like this kind of like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I would, I would never do that. Like this kind of like, this almost like acting where you're just like, there's somebody is like you all of a sudden you feel like an asshole for bringing something up because they're like, I, why would you yell at me? I didn't know that, but they did know. (laughs) They did know. Um, guilt baiting. 
unreasonable blame, tar uh, you target uh, recipients, you would target recipients soft spot, soft spot, holding them, holding another responsible and the manipulators are kind of like, I'm saying the shitty. So basically, um, you know, the person cares and you, and you basically play off them caring. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So like if, if I care, um, what my partner, my partner's feelings and, 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 and how they feel about this certain thing, they could be like, what, why would you say that? You know, this is so important to me to, and like, really like, and it's, it's less that they're hurt and more because they know that you are going to do whatever you can to mend that situation. Mm. And then number 14, we talked about a little earlier, victimhood, uh, exaggerated or imagined personal issues or health issues, um, dependency, codependency, playing weak, powerless, being a martyr. Um, mm you left the window open. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, like this kind of like everything is something that you did wrong and that you should know better. And I get, I, my dad does this. I, I have sacrificed and I've done everything. And you're just like, dad, I just can't come home this weekend. Like, yeah. what do we, like, I, I don't, there's no, like, I think, I think I, they talk about like mothers doing that a lot, where it's just like, I birthed you. I did everything. And you're like, mom, yeah. you birthed me 30 years ago. And I have a war, I have jobs. Like I have, I have work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like that, I think that's a really common one that people know. And then they don't always see it as many of because they love their mom or they, you know, they care about their roommates or their partner. So it's just like, that's the kind of thing you have to be looking out for. And it's interesting to me because again, there's the people that know what they're doing. And then there's people that just don't know what they're doing. And it's hard to see that, but both of them have the same effect on you. And you have to make a choice about that relationship. Tony Soprano's mom on the Sopranos is a perfect example of an of emotional manipulator. I feel like all Italian moms, like just, yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> Johnny, what are we doing? <laughs> um, we would, uh, we would love for you to write in. We would love for you to tell us about uh, unique or, or certain manipulative situations that you've been in. Maybe if you've learned that you were manipulative and you had no idea and what you've done to kind of change that, but uh, you can write to us at two non-doctors. What is that Maria? That's two non-forwarddoctors at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Thanks yeah. guys. Thank you, Carol. You're not helpful.